to do Got a bright shirt on So I'm easy to see I've been down here stranded Indefinitely I can't reach my planet But I need to live You should see these people It's hard to believe How they treat each other It's hard to conceive Oh, earth is ghetto I wanna leave Oh, earth is ghetto I wanna leave Shout out to Aaliyah Sheffield, who is the talented singer. Earth is ghetto. I want to leave. If you want to listen to that or see her perform it, just go to Google, type in Earth is ghetto. I want to leave and Aaliyah will come up. But check out her other music, too. She's really talented and the girl can sing. What's up, Hunger family? Welcome to another week, another episode of the Hunger Podcast, a Philly-based culture and society podcast from a Black queer perspective. I am your host and producer, Eric Cole, BKA, AKA Tennis Bay. Even though I've been slacking a little bit, y'all. I mean, it's cold. It's, it's the winter season. Fall back a little bit, but not too much. Got to, you know, condition at least a few times a month because spring season hits you and you hurting. <laughs> it is not pretty when the weather warms up and you get back out there and you haven't done anything all winter. Mm-mm. But anyway, you can find this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, social media platform, wherever you're looking for me. Just type in at HungUpPod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. And remember, if you want to support the show, financially support the show. Get you a Relax Your Shoulders t-shirt, hoodie, coffee and tea mug, all of the above. Click on that bio link on the Insta profile and check out the merch and support the show. I appreciate it, y'all. So the Hunger Podcast song of the week is SZA. I hate you. I just love the whole vibe of that song and the lyrics. Uh. So I will play a little snippet of that as a break in the middle of this episode. I took a week off. I didn't post last week. So this week I got some extra bonus content for you. It's really two episodes in one. So I just want to jump right into it. I'm excited because this week I finally catch up with podcast host and YouTube vlogger, Trey Rill. Trey Rill is a well-known member in the podcast community, particularly here in Philadelphia. Trey recently did this Instagram video about Jesse Smollett around DL culture, and it sparked my interest. And I wanted to invite him here on the show to dive a little deeper into that. We had an icebreaker. 
tons of laughs. And then we got into a really deep conversation about DL culture. We kind of walked into this topic thinking that we were going to unpack DL culture. But that is a tired ass conversation that we have heard so many times. So we did a little spin on it. We want to talk about, well, how do we actually get here? What is the root in order to address some issues, especially within the gay black queer community? Especially if we're talking about how men identify, how men express intimacy in, in their sexuality. We need to talk about the root. And that's what we do. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Again, this is a hell long episode. But that's what I love about podcasts. You can pause this bitch, bookmark this bitch, <laughs> and get back to it if you can't listen all the way through. So, Trey, thank you. <laughs> I just enjoyed your presence and you being here on the show. And I know y'all are going to love this conversation. And remember, you can send your feedback to hunguppod at gmail.com. Or you can call the show. 484-578-9992. That is the phone number to the podcast. Feel free to call in or text your feedback. And I'll be sure to include it in the next show. All right. Enjoy the episode, y'all. I got you for the next at least 30 minutes. I know you are on high, <laughs> high demand, but it's me and you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the girls are calling. The girls want to see and the be heard. Been dry all day. And then it seems like all, every time. At 10 o'clock? The red see, light this is goes what on. niggas. Then they just come out the woodworks, wanting to call and carry on. Of course, like while you trying to do something, we trying to chill, have some little self care moment. Yes, and and then the niggas start buzzing like bees. Y'all always like to know when y'all y'all always come around at the opportune time. What is it called, Murphy's Law? <laughs> yeah, outside on that side. What's up, Hunga family? I am so excited. I'm here with the one and only Trey Rill, podcast host and YouTube vlogger. Welcome to the Hunga podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Listen, y'all. I'm excited. I'm full stomach because this man done cooked. <laughs> Kitchen. I came in here and it was warm. You know when you walk in somebody's house and it's like that extra warm because you know the stove on. <laughs> and then you start smelling all the good shit in the air. That's how I walked in and I was welcomed into like a home, y'all. Like a home. Pictures on the wall of family, friends, affirmations on the wall. Oh my God. Love, be love, home, hope, <laughs> harmony. Y'all know how niggas do. 
in a warm ass fucking stove I'm and black. it smelled good I'm thank black. you for what but you really like welcomed me into your home and i really appreciate that. i'm excited to have you because like i've y'all know like i've wanted to talk to you for a minute not longer than me wanting like, to talk to you wanted to talk to you for a minute and the fact that you like really welcomed me like sis knows how to host y'all absolutely you know um contrary to popular opinion i'm a very nice and welcoming person <laughs> wait <laughs> is the popular opinion that you're a mean girl yes <laughs> that's crazy right <laughs> and i'm so far from that well yeah you're not a mean girl but you also like you don't play i don't i think that might just be 40 <laughs> no i've been like that just brought me back to that post you reposted where it's just like, I just don't like a whole bunch of silly shit with Della Reese. Period. You know, that's why I had to repost it. Because that was definitely Listen, Della Reese was, what was she doing? Cleaning them greens? She was doing something. But what she said was all right. She ain't had time. None. <laughs> None. Trey Real. Listen, once again, welcome, welcome. I, but really, I feel welcomed. <laughs> I, it's weird. Y'all know I always open the show with my guests. I'm always welcoming them, but truly, I feel welcomed. Oh so thank God. you. Thank you. Thank you. You are here with the Hunger Podcast. Hopefully, it will not be your last time. I'm so excited. I'm so excited I can spit. <laughs> <laughs> I introduced you as podcast extraordinaire and YouTube vlogger, but please introduce yourself and let the Hunger family know where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. So um, I'm Trey Real. Um, emphasis on the real because I like to keep it real. Um, That's why I like you. That's why our energy. I am a podcaster. I do vlog. Um, but I'm just a regular smegula degula guy from New York. But you're vlogging though. Don't be trying to like smooth <laughs> over. Listen, <sighs> Trey had me watching some clips before we get started. Um, before we got started recording this show. And you're just, you're natural. Thank just you. sitting down, talking to people about pop culture, obviously, that comes natural for you because you just know what's going on out there. But I try your skills in terms of like just connecting with people and having these really just raw, authentic, needed conversations. Absolutely. I'm so here for it. And so, Repeat again, where can people find you on YouTube? Okay, so people can find me on YouTube. Um, just go to the search engine and type in Upfront with Trey Rail and Feasy Boy. Even if you can't spell Feasy Boy, you can type in Upfront with Trey Rail. Mm -hmm. There is no Y on Trey, just T R E. And we'll pop up. And I hope it's entertaining as well oh, as it likes. Oh, listen, listen. And I'll also be sure y'all know, I always put the guest notes in the uh, episode notes, uh, the, the guest contact information in the episode notes. So, you can find me on Instagram, Trey Real, T R E R E A L, TikTok, which is growing. I am on TikTok. Oh, I got it. I got to um, see what you're doing. Because TikTok is fun. It's, it is. It, it's a fun time. Listen, so my TikTok is. Trey Real 3. So that's T-R-E-R-E-A-L and the number 3. I am like um, a TikTok chef. 
they should have never taught me how to work that shit. Now you can't tell me nothing. I be doing all my little cooking videos and stuff on there. And people just been, my um, followers just been growing and growing and growing. So I'm excited about that. So tell us, like, what do you love about TikTok? Because I feel like TikTok is a very different social social media platform mm-hmm. compared to, like, an Instagram or a Twitter. Okay. If, if it, and I could be completely wrong. Well, it is. Um, but it's very similar to Instagram now, if you're more familiar with Instagram. Um, once Instagram. The Reels? The Reels. Okay, yeah. So they kind I just of, started getting into the Reels. Yeah, they stole that from TikTok. Right. And so TikTok is really based all upon um, the Reels. And it's kind of reminiscent of Vine, if you remember Vine. Yes. It's like a more modernized version of Vine. Got you. But you can do a lot in terms of like editing your own shit. You can do everything right there. Everything right there. Will um, people be like jumping into their glasses and stuff on the like all yes. that little? I'm I'm amazed that y'all can do that type of stuff. And I'm sure like if I sat down and just it's so easy. I'm just getting into reels. Like I'm very granola. Obviously, they make it so simple for you. They um your videos are probably good. The <clears throat> transitions, like you don't even have to really worry about the transitions. You just record the clips, and they auto sync to whatever sound you have or anything with your transitions. And so they make it easy. For they you. make it so user friendly. So user friendly. TikTok went through a little, you know, little heat not too long ago. The girls were canceling TikTok because well, they, of like creator stuff, right? Because of the um. Black creators getting pushed to the back, like shadow band, yeah, and things like that. So, um, do you feel like that's still the case, or was the case? I do believe it. It was the case, and nine times out of ten, we live in America, so it's probably still the case. Um, the reality of it is, hey, we're black, and we're black in America, and it should have been expected. My model in life is. If you lower your expectations, you're less likely to be disappointed. Mm. So when you go into these spaces that are white controlled, you should expect to have to work 10 times harder just to be recognized, not saying that it's right. Right. It's unfortunate, but it's the world that we live in as black people. We can't be mediocre. We see other races getting promotions and moving on and getting exposure from being mediocre. But we have to come with excellence at every given moment and opportunity. We must perform in excellence or we're going to miss it. So it's just an expectation. Right. Right. And hopefully one day for future generations, what we do today, future generations may not have to endure that same thought process. We got a long way to go. What Casey say? You got a long way to go because I feel like racism is built into everything in this country. Absolutely. And so it's just like, I was thinking of the other night, like, what are we going to do? Like, what? If it's built into everything and it's everywhere, it's not a politician you can elect that's going to, to fix this. And the question is, is like, is there hope? There is hope. Mm hmm. But the hope is that black people see the value in ourselves Mm -hmm. and understand that, yes, racism is 
woven into the fabric of this country. Um, like you said, everything in this country is based off racism. We look at um, what is it called? Rush hour. And we look at the traffic and gridlocks. Mm-hmm. That's a result of racism. The expressway system wasn't built to get you anywhere quicker. It was designed to separate black and white communities. It was designed mm-hmm. so white people can just zoom right through the community to get what they need to do, get what they need to be. So they didn't have to stop at a stoplight. You didn't have to stop at a stop sign. So that's why you see a lot of expressways and things. Because they, they run through, through black, black community. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's all. It's all rooted in racism. Um, and mm. the only way to eradicate it is to become a part of the system to dismantle it. If we continue to go on and say, my vote doesn't matter or politics don't matter to me or so on and so forth, we have 50 senators, U.S. senators, or maybe it's, um, oh, excuse me, 100. It's two for every state. Um, And I think there's only two black Mm -hmm. right now serving. Um, They're the most, we didn't get two black people serving together until I think 2013. And the thing about that is, that's not reflecting of the makeup of our country. At all. Not, so we, not all these old white men. And women. Sitting up in there. And all I think about is images of watching Ruby Bridges being escorted mm-hmm. into the school to desegregate yep. the school. And all those white kids screaming the N-word. And white adults. But you realize. That took off for of work that day to come scream at children. But you realize that those people are our senators yeah. and our politicians. Yeah. So they have no vested interest in our community but to continue to keep us oppressed. Right. And I'll say this not to stay on it, but Talk your shit. I believe, yeah. like, if you notice, descendants of enslaved people, we Blacks have a natural fear of dogs and water. Mm-hmm. And it's just genetically passed down to us because of the trauma that yep. our ancestors dealt with. Yeah. So when you have Africans that immigrate here, you have Caribbeans that immigrate here, they don't have the fear of dogs and water because they don't have the trauma passed down to them right. from what our ancestors dealt with. So we naturally have that trauma passed down to us. Why wouldn't white people have racism naturally passed down and ingrained in their DNA as well. Boom. So when we it makes sense to me. get it and learn that, we can move forward. When we realize we can't keep turning our backs to politics and realize the only way to beat the system is to join the system so we can dismantle the system. Right. If we continue to have all these people making all the legislations and the laws of the land then we're going to continue to do what we've been doing most is marching. And we can march to the soles fall off your shoes. Right. I'm not marching no more because it's yielding no results. We got to start. And, and I think a big part of that is telling the truth yes. about our history and, and where we've come from. One of the reasons why I'm absolutely a proponent of critical race theory 
uh, which is usually taught in grad school. Yes. Um, but even before grad school, I think it's important for children, all children, boys and girls, to be taught um, the, true the world. Because this is the world that they're walking into. Mm-hmm. Agreed. This is the world they're walking into. Are you familiar with the 1619 Project? Why does it sound familiar? Was there um, a Netflix special on that? So, no. There was a um, piece done by the New York Times. It was authored by Nicole Hannah-Jones, mm-hmm. the professor who didn't get offered tenure originally at um, UNC Green Greensboro or UNC Charlotte. Okay. Um, but one of them was Chapel Hill. UNC okay. Chapel Hill. Okay, okay. Um, that's because she authored that and it was like her baby that she put together with other authors. Um, what it did is to reshape the narrative of slavery in our country. So imagine um, our country founding was whatever year it's founded in, but we don't document that the first slave ship arrived on these shores in the year of 1619 before this country was even established. So you can never speak about um, the history of this country without talking about the enslaved Africans. Yeah. The enslaved Africans are the source of this country. Yeah. And so if you think about it, no other race would have survived. If we take, if we learn to reshape slavery in our history and take pride and what our people went through and what we survived and think at the end of um, that, the emancipation time, there were 4 million enslaved people. Today, there's over 40 million descendants of enslaved people. Mm-hmm. There's countries like Cuba that have become extinct. They had to put Africans in just to repopulate the country so they can survive. So imagine these other races enduring the chattel slavery that Africans endured mm-hmm. in these Americas. Like, who would have survived? Mm-hmm. If we take pride in that and stop running around talking about, so I'm just sick of seeing slave movies. I'm so sick of seeing these mammies and all of this. There that over, does bother me. There's over 300. It's like people, it's like we're getting tired of hearing about our own past and our own history. And why is that? Because when you take a look at the Jews, there's over 300 documentaries about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And you never once heard a Jewish say, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the Holocaust. I'm sick and tired of seeing it. No, because it's a constant reminder of what was done to them. And in this country, it needs to be a constant reminder of what was done to our people. Right. And why are we in this position? Stop looking. Yes. yes. Stop looking at they're doing this or they're doing that. Why? Get to the whys. Mm-hmm. Get to the wider like that. Right. Get to the, there was never no opportunity. Go pull yourself by your pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. How are we gonna do that when you didn't give us boots? Or straps. That part. Well, you beat us with some. <laughs> I can you this would be a whole this would be a whole show Listen. on that. So let's let's move on. I, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Trey Real. <laughs> <laughs> Again, welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Before we transition into the icebreaker, please remind the people where they can find you on social media. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Trey Real. That's T-R-E-R-E-A-L. And you can find me on TikTok at Trey Real 3. That's T-R-E-R-E-A-L and the number three. I'm not telling you my Snapchat. Y'all know what that means. Or my freak Twitter. 
<laughs> I got one of those too. My freak Twitter is just like it's like my you know my personal catalog. Yeah, it's my go-to. It's my go-to when I need to get off. Pretty much. OnlyFans is mine. Oh, I, yeah. My freak Twitter. And it's usually I get, but I I is it because you at, need longer videos? I start off at freak Twitter, mm-hmm. and then I want to see more, so it leads me to their Instagram. Trey be edging y'all. All right, yeah. we go. I mean, that's the thing, right? <laughs> I'm hung up. <laughs> Ate it up and gave it back. Niggas look good, but they still want to know we're making it. Talking like a barbecue, but you won't get your baby back. See me in that dress and he felt like he almost hasted that. Num, 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 eat it up. Won't play okay, three, two, one. You know I'm the hottest. You ain't never got to heat me up. I'm present when I'm absent. Speaking when I'm not there. All them bitches scary cats. I call them Carol Baskin. All right, Trey. So let the people know, how's it going this week? How are you? Are you hung up? Or are you hanging up? Ooh, this week is going. Um, it's been busy with work. Um, I'm hung up on work because I'm over it. Oh, so you hanging up? I'm hanging up. Okay, okay. Gotcha. So I'm hanging up on work because mm-hmm. I'm over that. I'm hanging up on three things. Work is one of them. I'm hanging up on a Dr. Oz <laughs> throwing his ass into... The Senate so what are you running for? I knew it for Pennsylvania. Oh wait, I did see this, and he don't even live in Pennsylvania. So how do you do? Why would you? Because his wife has a Pennsylvania address, but he live. They live in New Jersey. Somebody ain't doing the math right. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be all on anybody's shit to say don't vote for his motherfucking ass, um, because he's a motherfucking Trump surrogate. Yeah, and so fuck him. Don't vote completely. Don't vote for him. Do not vote for him. And then the last thing I'm hanging the fuck up on is all these motherfucking black people who all of a sudden got an issue with a motherfucking vaccine. Oh, oh shit. Bitch, the majority of y'all went to Head Start. You couldn't get in Head Start <laughs> without being vaccinated. You're going to get me canceled. You couldn't like, nah, get I'm into playing. school Talk your shit. without being vaccinated. These are the thoughts that I've been having, like, what is so different about we've been getting vaccines all our lives? All our fucking lives. What really blows my mind is a lot of educated black people. You couldn't even attend higher ed without being vaccinated. Yeah. You definitely so, couldn't live in a dorm. No. Without so getting what, vaccines. Where the fuck is y'all getting all this shit from now? <laughs> We just shouldn't be told what the government going to do. Yes, the fuck you should. When it is a threat to mankind. Almost a million people are dead. This is a threat to being able to wipe out humanity. Literally taking people out. Then yes, the government should be able to step in and say, bitch, you're going to get this shot. They didn't have enough respirators. For the people. For the people. And they didn't even have room in the hospitals. 800,000. Americans gone from this fucking virus. And that's a growing number. A daily growing number. And that's the largest of any country. 
any country. I don't get it. So that's what the fuck I'm hanging up on this week. All that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Woo! I love it. That's what I'm, I'm. That's what I'm hanging up on. If a bitch want to cancel me, bitch, they've been trying to cancel Jesus for years, <laughs> and he's still around. Listen, I ain't worried. I just signed up for my booster. I just took mine yesterday. Do you feel any soreness or anything? So of course you got the um the soreness in the um sight injection. Yeah, but it's not as bad as it was the first two times. Okay. So the dosage is half of the oh. prior two. Oh, okay. so it does feel like um today I got it yesterday. Today it was a little tender still, but it feels like tomorrow I'll wake up and be in good standing. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, this week. I'm hanging up on Social Security again. Oh, Lord. This was, I want to say, was it this season? Or, listen, y'all. Trey got me on his Maker's Mark. No, you got me on Maker's Mark. Well, you know, I'm doing the um, Apothic Red. It's a mix. Because black people, it's okay to drink wine now. (laughs) It's okay to drink wine. Wait, what happened with wine? I be missing shit. Black no, folks you, cancel wine? You know, black folks just ain't never been um, exposed to wine. When it's here. It's, so, in, the, it's in the wine and spirits that we Wine is a with. good thing for you. But I'm on Apothic Red, which is a red blend. It's rich and smooth. It's from California. It's from 2019. And you know, I put a little splash of the makers in it. You you got just a little smooth, razzle little, little cocktail over yeah, there. Just a little razzle, a little dazzle. Nothing crazy. I'm going to sleep good tonight. Real. Especially after this conversation. Come on, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Keep me near the cross, Jesus. I just want to meet you in peace. <laughs> so I, I did an episode. It, it's titled Social Security Took My Paycheck. Y'all can go back and listen to it. Uh, where I was in my car going off about the situation that my dad put me in when I was eight years old. And that shit caught up with me a few years ago. And it took me a lot. I had to fight Social Security. I had to get Congressman Dwight Evans, everybody involved. Oh, my God. For me to get Social Security off my back. And, you know, issue had been resolved. They told me, like, you're good. You were minor when this happened. It wasn't your fault. Gave me my money back and everything. And now I thought it was good. Here I come right before I came over. Mm-hmm. I go to the mailbox. I have this big ass, like thick ass letter packet mm-hmm. from Social Security. So first thing I'm thinking is, oh shit, here we the <laughs> fuck go. What the fuck do y'all want? <laughs> I open it up and they got a court date. I got to go before the judge. They want to talk to me about this whole situation. Oh, God. And I'm like, talk to me about a situation that y'all told me was closed? And I'm sorry, why do y'all want to keep talking to me? My father is alive. Why don't y'all talk to him? Yes. Bring him in for prosecution. I'm sorry, Dad, but shit. You I'm sorry, Dad, but like I, I just don't understand why they keep bringing me into this shit Mm-mm. and not bringing him. And honestly and truly, I think it's because, because I, I'm working. Oh, the yeah, government they- sees me as someone who's young, 
I'm working. Oh, oh and uh, here, nigga, <laughs> come up off that money. Mm-hmm. We don't give a damn if you was eight years old. When your daddy did it, you we looking at you the same way because that's how we treat niggas in this country. We treat you. If your daddy did a crime, you're a criminal too. Yeah. And we looking at you exactly the same. And they're making me pay for his mistakes, even though this man is alive and he's a man. So he could take a responsibility and accountability for his own choices and decisions. Mm, but they mm. calling me up into the motherfucking courthouse. I'm just like, really? Mm-mm. That's some shit. That's some shit right there. So, Trey, I just, my homeboy Spencer called me when I got here. He was just like, look, Jeez. you about to get on with Trey. Y'all about to have a good ass show. Because I saw the motherfucking topic. <laughs> he said, so don't let this shit fuck your spirit up. It's not until March of next year. That's a whole nother year from now. Even though it's not that long, long, long away. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's another year from now. Yeah. You know, one of the things I say um, that I really, really try to live is some things you can't change. And you can't change what your father did. So the only thing you can do is not be frustrated. Find your center because in the midst of the storm, I'll be left. The only peace in the storm is the eye. But what happens is, which is in the center, which is in the center. What happens is we're so busy trying to run away from the storm that we keep running further into the bullshit, Mm, the turbulence. Yes. Instead of turning around the debris, facing it, and run into the center. So the high get, wind speeds. Get to that center so you can get that peace. <laughs> so when you get to that peace, then you're at a place where you can think through, how do okay. I get myself out of here? Okay. Y'all hear, y'all hear Trey Rail getting me together. Like, and don't I'm go through the frustrations. Don't go through the frustrations because you can't change it. The social, the social security going to come after you. What do I need to present even and clearly? Because they told me that the shit was done and over with, and they still got something. Oh, well, we still need to talk, mm-hmm. bitch. So you're right. I clearly I can't control what the fuck they're gonna do. You can't. But I hear you in that. I can I can control what I'm gonna do. Yes. And what my reaction is gonna be to it. Yes. I needed to hear that word because this shit took me through. I was in such a dark place, Trey. 2019 through 2020, I was in such a dark place and it fucked up my relationship with my father. Oh, I don't imagine. We didn't even talk for a year. And so, you know, we just started talking again like six, seven months ago. And everybody worried about that damn vaccine and the government putting shit in us to follow us. You got a tracking device when your ass was born. It's called the social security number. Hello. And that's why they tracking your ass and not his. I am so over this shit, but I'm glad to be here with you. They're drinking this good drink. Yes, God. Ate that good food that you prepared. Praise the Lord. And you're just giving me that support and uplifting that I needed. And I, I definitely needed to hear that. You know, didn't we talk about before? I, t- I told you I'm like a little mix between Oprah with a little Iyanla. Mm-hmm. With a little splash of RuPaul. With a little splash of Tiffany Pollard. Oh my God. Listen, you want And I love it. But you want to know what's crazy? <laughs> you want to gag? Do you want to gag? Yes. I know Tiffany. Yes. 
Stop. Well, we, you know everybody. No, listen, we grew up together. Are you serious? We went to school together. Wait, right, because New York is your stomping grounds. We went to school together. Yes. We grew up right around Trey, the corner you be from each other. The people. You be knowing the people. Tiffany. Me and Tiffany. Yes. Matter of fact, Tiffany's brother, Terrence is his name. Him and I are the only we him and I were the only ones out the closet in high school. And it's funny, like, to go home now and, like, the whole fucking school is LGBTQIAPK. You a legend, bitch. <laughs> That's what I... Where's your funny, fucking said, statue? Yes. Where's I your paid, plaque? I paved the way for you, girl. You so. paved the way for these girls, and they don't even know. They better put some respect on your motherfucking name. Yes. No, when I am home, when I am home, I do. I will say they do treat me like a legend. They they do, oh, my God, God I heard so much about you. What part of New York? Um, upstate, central okay. New York. Okay. Um, Utica. Okay. So it's like right okay. outside of Syracuse. Okay, got yeah. you. Wow, yeah. Utica. <sighs> wow. How long you been in Philly, Trey? I've been in Philly since 2014, but I've been coming back and forth to Philly since I was 20 years old. Got you. So for 20 years. Uh, my best friend is originally from here, and we were stationed in Germany together. So... Anytime we come back to the States, I never wanted to go to Utica for a fucking month. So I would always come to Philly and like Got go you. to New York for a weekend or something. Visit and my then family. come back. But I come back to Philly. So I spent like all, all my stateside time for like five years coming to Philly all the time. Yeah. My first two boyfriends are from Philly. So- <laughs> come on, Philly Jones. Uh, so wait, skirt back up. You mentioned service. So yeah. can you like let the people know, like, because you do have some service background. Yes, I do. Overseas. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh yes, I am a United States Army veteran. Um, I was stationed in Germany for five, six years. I did the initial push for Operation Iraqi Freedom. So I went to Iraq to declare war when we caught Saddam Hussein and everything I was there. Um, and I also did Operation Enduring Freedom 6, the sixth rotation in Afghanistan. So I'm a two-time war vet as well. So you was <laughs> over there. I was over there. Yeah. Gun on your hip. Bombs over Baghdad, bitch. Period. I love this man. <laughs> I fucking love this man. Trey Real, y'all. All right, let's jump into this icebreaker because yes. I just, I could be here all night. Let's go. <laughs> Question number one. What is your guilty pleasure reality show? Mmm. That's difficult because I'm such a reality TV junkie. So who you get into for the mess, the good drama? Gives you good TV, good drama. The Real Housewives. Which one? Of Potomac. (laughs) Come on. The Potomac Girls. Potomac, but. Okay. Because I got a question for you. Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched them. Strongly, strongly, strongly pulling me. It's pulling me. Them the richest bitches of the franchise. And they living in this white tundra. I'm like, I couldn't do it. Just the whole religions that's brought in. The then Mormon the religion, lifestyle. Yes. Denouncing Mormonism. All of this shit. It's just so many fucking layers. I am enjoying 
I can't. I'm trying to think of her name. Heather. Heather. Yes. Just kind of. She's a mess. But she's like un like she's taken off these layers of religion that has really mm-hmm. suppressed her her whole life, even into her marriage. Yes. And I'm enjoying seeing the woman that she's becoming. Yeah, I think I think it's a beautiful show. I think the um the cast, the dynamics of the cast, uh, is just um, awesome. I. What do you think about um, Mary? <laughs> That's where I was going. I was just trying to word it right before I got to her. Yeah, I I just wish y'all could have saw how Trey looked at me, Mary. Like, th- yes, just, Mary. I just I always think that there's an attack on um black representation. And while I why I think that is because why would they pick Mary of all people for one? It's um, and I'm not a I'm not a fan of the black church. I will say that. Hopefully, I'm not a fan of the black church. Right. But I don't want to see the black church drug by white people. If we're gonna if we're gonna expose the black church, let us expose it on our own. We don't need white people to come in and expose us because that's just white people whiting. So what you're saying is it was very Salt Lake City of Bravo to bring on, they could have picked a, a lot of black women, different black women. Child, who the fuck would they bring Mary's on? Little, she's, she's, she touched. <laughs> she touched. And I'm not talking about by the hand of God. Why would you bring on somebody who grandmother, she talking about some her grandmother, what she say, willed her? To her step grandfather for you to marry your step grandfather, bitch. Against her fuck? mother's will, because her mother, mother actually wanted, wanted it. Her mother wanted the money in the church. Child, what kind what of newfangled shit this? is this? Is is that the Utah shit? Is that, that what, child? I, I don't know. That's I, that Mormon shit. And it wasn't <laughs> even Mormon. Right, because Mary is She's Christian. The Christians be really uh, They carry. They really do and be working my goddamn nerves. And I can say that because I grew up Christian. Oh my God. Me too. Church of God in Christ. And my father was he was a um Catholic and my mother was a, a Christian. Okay. My mom was apostolic, Pentecostal. Ooh. And my dad, um, I don't know what you call it. apostolic, I guess. I'm Kojic. You're not a preacher's kid, are you? I definitely am on both sides. My mom is evangelist. My dad is a preacher. My great grandfather, my great grandfather started our church. When he died, my grandfather became the pastor. When In New York. Died, uh-huh. When he died, um, my uncle became pastor, who is now our current pastor. So you come from this. I come from it. I come from it. What, seeing Mary was it triggering. No, it wasn't triggering because I dealt with religious trauma. Um, and I knew early on from a young age that it was a whole bunch of hocus pocus bullshit. Um, because how could you tell me that God loves me and he loves everything about me and I'm creating his own image and so on and so forth. But then you gay, he hates you. You burn the hairs in his nostril. He is disgusting. I don't think by they him. realize like telling a child that is so traumatic. Oh my God, I can tell you. And how it many took times. so many years for us to heal ourselves out of that trauma. Yes. Some of us are still working through that. Imagine being seven, eight years old, crying yeah. at sleep in the bed, crying yourself to sleep, praying, Lord, please take this away from me. Yeah. Please, the way I feel for a boy made me feel like that about a girl. I wasn't molested. I wasn't raped. I was nothing. I kissed my first boy in preschool. Yep. I've always loved 
niggas. Since day one. Yeah. This Did you ever date shit. girls or women? Yeah. Well, just to do it for, um, I guess, picture reasons. Because this is what I was told that I was supposed to do. Yeah. But it was never nothing serious because I came out of the closet when I was 13. And I really wanted to do it because, you know, Christianity taught me to hate myself. Mm. So I really, mm. at that point in my life, high school, when I had, you know, when I was dating girls, I really did not want to be gay. Oh, none of us did. <laughs> I we, really didn't want to be gay. Because we didn't want to burn in hell. I was terrified that at any moment, God was going to come back. And we going to, to the burning hell. Forever, eternity. Forever. Eternity, bitch. Y'all we ain't burning. shit. Y'all ain't shit for telling children that. And I want y'all to know that. And I fully concur. Y'all ain't shit. Y'all ain't shit for telling children that. I'm trying, you can at me if you want to. I actually want you to. At me, honey. I ain't going to respond. But somebody get in the comments and respond to you. Right. It won't be me. <laughs> Question number two. Mm-hmm. It's your first date. Is, it, is the requirement to go Dutch? No. It, that is not the requirement. Okay. That is not the requirement. So talk to us. Let us know when that is not the requirement and when it is. When it is the requirement is when it's been established. Okay. But if you invited me out. I'm paying. No. And vice yeah, versa. Yeah, yeah. If you invite me out. Yeah. Then the expectation is set for you to pay. Right. Um, if I invite you out, I'm expecting to pay for you. But if we get to dinner and then you decide to go Dutch, you want to go Dutch, am I really going to have a second date with you? My expectation is set. Remember earlier I said, if you lower your expectation, you're, just, you're less likely to be disappointed. But when it comes down to relationships, yeah, I don't deviate from my standard. So that expectation is set. If you fail to meet that expectation, why am I going to continue on? What about the guys listening that may be just getting into dating? Mm-hmm. What suggestions, what tips would you give them in terms of like, because to me, it's just communication. Sure. What if you're in a situation where you you get invited out on a date, but you want to make sure that the expectation is that you don't want to, you don't have to come out of your pockets. Wow. Or should you just come prepared just in case you need to split that fucking bill? Come prepared. That's what I'm thinking. Just come prepared just in case. Just in case you have to pick up the entire bill. What? That is always, that's that's just always me. And it's just like if you invite me out of town on a trip, I'm not going to go on this trip unless I have the, my own money to pay for my own housing, no, pay for my own transportation, and my to get own back way home, to get home and everything. That's my grandmother Otherwise, always told me. You make I'm sure you going. always can get back home. So it's the same thing when you want them to date. Make sure your ass can get home. Yes. Mm. Because, but the type of person I am, nine times out of ten, I've done my research. If I'm going on a date with you, mm-hmm. or um, I'm really good at being able to tell. What I'm dealing with. Especially so, in how they approach you. Yeah. And to I take date, you out. And a lot of times I date younger. So 
nine times out of ten, I'm usually the more um more the breadwinner um of the two. So, because I'm like, what if I'm feeling Beyonce? Because you, you young bitch, like what? What? I mean, twenties. Say it again. Twenties. <laughs> you be dating guys in their twenties. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> you got to be a strong twenty-eight for me. <laughs> That's still in their twenties. That's still in their twenties. It's a struggle though, Trey. I mean, it's just a struggle when you well. It depends on what your the communication mm-hmm. is again communication um, and setting a standard of what you're going to tolerate and what you're not going to tolerate. Do you find so? Do you set boundaries like right away, or you kind of feel the situation out because everybody's a little different. You have to be careful dating younger when you're older, is because you don't want the person to fall in the space of feeling um, that you're being parental. Right. So, Ew. a lot of times... I can I, imagine that's a turn off. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, so I went on a date. When I was young, I talked about that. And you, and, uh, I mean, it cut you off. You no, you're fine. Go, but I've, ta- I've talked about that on um, previous shows about being 18, 19, mm-hmm. And dating a 30-year-old. Yeah, I think we all done it. Hindsight is all, you know, is always 2020. Mm-hmm. Thinking back at that, it's like, oh, that is so fucked up. You know, but we, at the time, it don't feel like that. It it's like So for me, what was fucked up was me being 15 fucking with a 29-year-old. But this is what happened. That was fucked up. And like Because we're attracted to older men. Right. And but the thing about it is, in hindsight, what you have to understand is like people, um, the R. Kelly situation. Mm-hmm. Um, not only the R. Kelly, well, we'll take it once further. Like one of the issues with our community or, or black people is in parenting, our parents want to create their version and their image of what their child is or who their child is going to be mm-hmm. versus allowing the space for that kid to, to be, be themselves. Yeah. And as a parent, you nurture and foster them to become the best version of themselves. So back then, um, so example when your kid is in school and you have a boy that's in school and you say um oh who your who, who your girlfriend in your class how you know it's a girlfriend right why you just don't say um who do you like right in your class and right. give the kid the opportunity to communicate with you instead you are forcing this on you're this putting kid, that pressure on this kid and it starts that dl stuff it, that's where it starts which at. we're going to talk about mm-hmm. tonight but it starts there because it's setting this expectation of when you respond, I need you to respond that it's a woman. Right. So if you're if you're doing this and you're making this kid think this, a kid doesn't have the mental capacity to think outside of anything but what they're told. Mm-hmm. So in that same aspect of dating, mm-hmm. when I was younger, um, dating a 15-year-old, at 15... 
I didn't have the mental capacity to be dating a fucking 29-year-old man with a kid. Even though we were. Yeah, he was totally taking advantage of me. So I was going to say, so it was totally, like, predatory. Yeah. <sighs> okay. That And... <sighs> We got to talk about that. And and I, and I want to bring that conversation to this show because a lot of us dated older men when we were young. And there's something to be said about that. So I definitely want to bring that conversation to this show at a future date. Absolutely. Last icebreaker question. What's your morning ritual? When When Trey gets up in the morning, what do you have to do what is your normal pattern, ritual? What do you do? Pick up my phone and open Instagram. And what would you go to? Um, I go to all my mentions mm-hmm. and my DMs and see what happened over the night. Okay. And then I read my morning affirmation by Jay Ivory and I post it on my story. Is that like an app or like no, where do you get that from? lady on um, Instagram. Oh, okay. So you go to their account. I go to her page and I read my See what her Okay. And then um, I repost it and I tag some friends and I put it up for good morning. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, my dad used to text me the morning scriptures and I read my morning scriptures. Daddy back in New York. He's in California. Oh, dad in California. Yeah. So you have some family in New York. No, actually, like people say, well, oh, when I say I'm going home for the holidays, I always go to California. Cali. I'm always from New York. Yeah. Um. So... My dad's siblings all lived in California growing up, but my dad remained in New York because I was there. And then at 18, when I left New York, my dad took the he family and moved to California. Back to California. So okay. California is home Got you. for me. Got you. Um, but I read my scriptures I love for my dad. Mm-hmm. And then um, I post the scriptures, and I just try to pull myself out of Honestly, I pull myself out of bed. I think that's like one of my favorite places to be. Oh, so it's just love like, my bed. No matter what, no matter how many years in the military, waking up at old dark thirty every morning, mm. PT running ten miles and shit, I still can never bring myself to just be this bubbly ass morning person. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the type of person where you need to set like two, three, four alarms, no. or you can just set one mm-hmm. and you'll wake up? Do you need the alarm to wake up, or will you just wake up naturally? So um, it depends on my night, but typically I can wake up naturally. Do you ever wake up before the alarm even goes off? Oh, most of the time. Most of the time you do. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. And then you turn it off when you wake up because you don't. Yeah, I turn okay. it off. Yeah, I turn it off and I hmm. lay down. Sometimes I've been known to um, hit the snooze because I know how tired I am, and I need. I know when I turn it off, I'm gonna go right back into the sleep mode, and so I set the snooze. And so I hit the snooze a few times sometimes. But I typically wake up, um, set my alarm to wake me up an hour prior to when I need to get up. Because okay. I need that hour to really get myself going. Maybe I should start doing that. I think I'm not setting it. I think I need to give myself more time. Yeah, I set it for an hour before because I need that hour just to lay in bed and scroll through email, scroll through Instagram, mm-hmm. scroll through Twitter and do all my catching up. It's all right, bitch, get up. Get your ass up. Take them blood pressure pills, bitch. <laughs> get your ass in the shower. Yes. Get down the road to this fucking job. <laughs> that is so cool. 
All right. Well, thank you. That was a really dope icebreaker. We are going to take a quick little break, refresh our drinks, and we'll be right back with the conversation. Hunger family. So as I said in the beginning of this episode, the song of the week is I Hate You by SZA. I feel like this is an honest letter to someone you loved or an ex. Hella relatable. (laughs) My favorite part of the song is the flow. And also just how simple the song is composed. The song has a very sad vibe to it. But the vocals and the backgrounds are on point. Believe it or not, the song went big on TikTok. And then SZA tweeted it. And then that's when it became a single. I'm hung up. We both finding out tonight. Mm. I'm enjoying it. It's good. It's smooth. That's one thing I like about it. Yeah. She's a smooth girl. I went to a PWI, so you know the white frat boys. Where'd you go? Um, Old Dominion. Oh, yeah. What was that like? It was great. Was this undergrad? Yeah, it was undergrad. Um, It was great because... Old Dominion is right here. Norfolk State is right across town right here. Mm -hmm. And Hampton is over the bridge right here. So parties. So I went to a PWI, but I also got to experience HBCU culture because I'm Greek. You are Greek. Yeah. Sigma. Uh Yes. Yes. So it was good for me. And and then um, ODU friend. black-ish. But the black kids that go to ODU all came from Nova, which is Northern Virginia. So it's all the rich, affluent black kids. So they want to party and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was the cool guy because I was hood. It was like, do everybody want to be around? And shit like that. So I was just a common black person. I was the black person that, like you said, you came in and felt like home. This was my house and my apartment in college. Everybody used to come to eat, the cookouts, the parties, everything. Because Trey real keeps it real. It was just like everybody wants trying. to be around Trey. <laughs> everybody wants to be around Trey. What is up, Hunger Family? Thank you for tuning back in. We are back. Hello. Here. I'm here with Trey Real. And I'm still sipping. I am too. This is this is really good. Trey lives eight minutes from me, y'all. That means we should see each other more often. I'm just saying. Yes. I'm just saying. So let's get into this conversation about DL men, DL-ness, DL culture. <laughs> Ooh, child. Let's get into her. 
Trey, I'm glad to bring this conversation back to the table because I want to say when Patrick was, when I was with Patrick a few seasons ago, we we had a DL um, conversation that people really enjoyed. But for this season, when I first started, I was like, I want to be intentional about sharing and exploring conversation around all the ways in which men are intimate. Mm-hmm. And DL is one of them. Yes, it is. And DL comes in so many like layers. Mm-hmm. I want us to have a balanced and fair conversation. And I felt like I could have that with you because I don't want to generalize anybody. DL um, absolutely has a dark side. Yes. You know what I mean? A negative side. But every lifestyle has a dark side. (sighs) Trey Real is keeping it real. So, again, I'm just glad to bring this conversation here. I'm glad to have it with you because I feel like we can have a fair and balanced conversation. And as uncomfortable as it may make somebody, DL is very prevalent. <laughs> it's, it is. It's happening. Whether you want to believe it, whether you want to hear it, whether you not, whether you want to accept it. And I don't care if you're on the gay queer side or if you're on the straight side. Yes. Um, because there are people on both sides who have who who take issue with it. And secondly, you know, you recently did a video. Um, you went live and you talked about the whole Jesse Smollett case. Mm. And one of the things that really stood out to me in your video, <laughs> yes, shout out to Jesse. One of the things Free that, my nigga Jesse. <laughs> I wonder what's gonna happen. They better not do I don't think he's gonna do jail time. I hope not. They better give him um, probation, but they need to let him free. Will we know soon? I don't even know when his sentence when it's going to be. Hmm. I'm nervous because it's Chicago. <clears throat> that's what. That's that's that. That's one of the points why he shouldn't be guilty, anyways. When you actually pay Hello? attention to the facts and when the history of Chicago, Chicago Police PD. Department. Yeah, I mean, at what point as black people do we believe police? I don't know when we started. But I know it's like also like a generational thing mm-hmm. where like our older generation, they have more of a, I don't know if it's a trust. I don't know if it's a trust or if it's kind of like, no, no, just leave things as they are. Don't disrupt it. It's not a trust. It's definitely not a trust. It's definitely not a trust. But it's it's like almost a complacency. It's a complacency and a learned behavior mm-hmm. or a taught behavior. To just keep your head down. Mm-hmm. Shut and, up and, and keep it pushing, keep it moving forward, and do what you're told. Right, right. Shut up and do what you're told. Mm-hmm. And and this generation is definitely not here for that shit. No, shout out to Jay Z. I was about to say Jay Z is shaking the table, shout out to Jay-Z. <laughs> flipping the table. But he started a long time ago when he said, "No, you can't search my um, car. Do you have a warrant?" Oh, you said Jay Z. I thought yeah. you said Gen Z. My bad. No, no, no. Jay Z. Jay Z started it when he was rapping and he started educating. Yeah. About, no, my glove compartment is locked. So you can't illegally search my vehicle. Do you have a warrant? So you saying basically Jay-Z was using his lyrics to put motherfuckers down to like, this is how you, I mean, even now, what, what was the song I was listening to? 
off of 444. Uh, he was talking about buying a, buying like a really like a million dollar painting, and then two years later it was two million. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Harders. he's like, I'm about to give you a lifetime worth of advice mm-hmm. for 9.99, my nigga. Like, yeah. just listen. Mm-hmm. So Jay Z been doing this. He been doing it, and that's why he is he one of your favorite rappers. Absolutely, absolutely. But he became one of my favorite rappers because of Beyonce. Mm. So I really begin to. I, well, I've always had eyes on Jay Z. I've always shook to Jay Z. I always went to Jay Z from Money in a Thing to Girls, 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 all of that stuff. You know, big um, pen, pen, yes. and cheese. I'm from New York. I grew up on him, but I never really paid attention to his lyrical content until because he tells older. you a story. He does. He teaches you a lesson. He does. And it's needed. And unfortunately, um, you don't think a lot of times, listen? I think people do listen, but the unfortunate part is that what I still find true to today is if you want to hide something from a black person, put it in the book. We don't Ugh. read. So Jay-Z took what we pay attention to. If you put a take, put a kid, they know every word to this rap song, but don't know their, how to spell. Or how to read. So it's the same thing from children all the way up until adults with black people. We pay attention yeah. to music. Yeah. We listen to the music. You know? Um, I don't smoke weed, but I when I smoked, when I did smoke, I listened to every fucking word that rappers would say. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, he's so smart. He's so intelligent. <laughs> but if I wasn't high, it was just like, okay, I just caught the chorus. Mm-hmm. And then what he say? I'm like, what he say? What he say? But when I was high, it seemed like everything slowed down and everything resonated. And I'm like, oh shit, that was deep. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the rappers. Shout out to the rappers. Shout out to the rappers that are, especially the ones like Jay Z. Um, I put uh, Kendrick Lamar and, and J Cole. Wale. Yes, in 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 the same categories of just being able to, you know, absolutely hands down give us a bop. Yeah. But we can also uh, depend on them to teach us something, to tell us a story, to give us a song, give us a track that leave us thinking like damn you know who else that does that deep. um two chains really yes. see I, I i i have to be honest i i two chains. he got some tracks that i get with but i have not gotten into two yeah you get into like his lyrical that. content he, he he goes in as well um one of the things that i like about um the rap game shout out to megan the stallion yeah just shout graduating out. yes um Texas I Southern think if University, you want I think. To be, Southern Texas um, University. TSU. Um, if you really want to make it in the rap game, like you now dealing with the generation that we're dealing with, you need to be college educated because the lyrical content is very important. It's very important. And all of our top artists now have all been educated and higher education. Mm. They're not just your off-the-block ex-drug dealers. Did Nikki go to school? No. Okay. But her lyrical content tells you that she didn't go to school. Pull up in the Sri Lanka. 
<laughs> Shout out to Wendy, a soulful, a soulful doctor, Wendy. I love her. Bitch, fuck her. I don't like her. You don't like Wendy? I don't like Wendy. You don't like Wendy? No, I don't like Wendy. I'm, I like Wendy because I just feel like she's... But, well, what I'll say is I like about Wendy is kind of how she's coming into this new... Like, she got her work done, and I feel like the girls are a little... Little salty about like her. her. She got her boobs, and she and she's dark skin. I'm, I'm okay with the I'm okay with the Wendy now. I'm okay with her, but not the one before. But the original Wendy who showed up as herself, all that degree shit. That is who she is. And one thing I cannot stand is when people take their education and weaponize it against others. But you know what? When I saw how her mother treated her, I said, oh, that's where you got that shit It's from. African culture. I said, oh, your mother did that to you. It's African culture. And that's culture. why you do this. Yeah, it's African culture. To me, that shit is like, it's too much attaching yourself or associating yourself with whiteness. That you have to be these things, A, B, and C, in order to be in order to love yourself, in order to be accepted, in order to, you know, feel like you have a platform to stand on, that you need to, like, acquire these things. They don't see that. They don't see that. And see, you said it was it's an African culture thing. I can't speak to that, but I have heard that before. Well, I've encountered a lot of them. Um, and this is not um, just an overarching statement, not saying that all Africans are this way. But a lot of Africans that I have encountered, um, I do have friends that are African who have never displayed this um, type of behavior um, to me. But for just a majority of Africans that I've encountered, and it's not so much of the black woman, the African-American descendant of enslaved people, females, they don't have a problem with. It's the men they have a problem with. My best friend... um, she just finished. She just got her um, graduated nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. And she works with an African. And we had this conversation. And she's from Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And so we've had conversations. And I sometimes I'll stop the conversation. And I just say, well, listen, I'm not going to go further deeper into conversation with you because you don't understand. And I don't expect you to understand because mm-hmm. you don't have the same plight that I had growing up in this country. You don't have the same feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have the same experiences. Right. You can't relate. She called me, we was on the phone yesterday, and she was telling me, you said, you know what? I never got it. She said, but I got it, what you meant. What I understand what you meant when you were talking about how Africans view black Americans. She said, she was talking to an African lady that's a nurse at her job, yeah. and they were talking about <clears> something, <throat> and then the African told her, um, Something along the lines of, well, it's not my fault that your ancestors chose to sell you into slavery and not fight for you. Mm. Like, because my thought process is, if I'm coming here from, if I'm from Africa and I'm coming to America and I know the history of my black brothers and sisters that were taken from this land and forced into chattel slavery in these Americas and Mm. how they're treated, how they've been treated over these hundreds of years, centuries of mistreatment and oppression. Right. I'm going to come like, yo, let me make a connection with you. 
It don't seem like to, they come they like don't. that. Let me try to school you on some of our traditions. Let me talk to you about some of the experiences that I had growing up. Let me give yeah. you some of the lessons that were given to me from our culture. And let me expose you to our culture. Like, let me take you under my wing. But they don't come over here with that. Right. They come over and they view us like everybody else. And I wonder how much of that is wanting to not be black so bad or be even associated with blackness because and here in America to be black is all of these, you know, negative things mm-hmm. that non-black people like to paint about us. When people come here to the country, I wonder if they, they hear about these things, they see these things and they're like, I'm, I don't want to be associated with that. Anything I can do to get closer, I'll never be white. I'll never, you know what I mean? Like they acknowledge that they'll never be white. Mm-hmm. But if I can do anything to get closer to whiteness, to, that to get separate, to get as far away from these niggas mm-hmm. that have such a terrible reputation in this country, and or or they're thinking like, or they're treated so bad in this country. I want to get as far away from that because if I assimilate closer to whiteness, European centric type of ideals Mm -hmm. then I'll be more accepted in society in America I'll be more successful I'll have access to more things I think one of the big things in that um, I think is one thing no I don't think this one thing that I do know is that representation matters and as long as mainstream media continues to show negative representations of black Americans, that is all they have to judge us off of. When I listen to white cops who killed an unarmed black man, and when they say, um, I feared for my life, I believe them. If you come from a suburban place mm-hmm. that have less than 100 black people in your community, and they drop you off in North and Philly. And you don't fucking interact with those less than 100 black people. Mm-hmm. And so that means the only representation that you see of black people is what is on television. Mm-hmm. There's not good representation of us. Right. So why wouldn't they be afraid of us? Right. I often say, if a black person is walking down the street and a little black kid hide behind a garbage can and jump out and say, boo, and a black person say, if you don't get your little motherfucking ass away from me and stop playing, it's culture for us. Mm-hmm. But if you take a white person that ain't never been around black people, and a little black kid jump out and say, boo, that motherfucker is really the fuck scared. Mm-hmm. They're really deathly afraid mm-hmm. because of the representation that they've become accustomed to. Right. And black skin is associated with crime and danger and mm-hmm. violence. And as soon as they see it, that's what they think. Absolutely. So you wasn't ready. You wasn't ready. Because, Bray, I'm like, you where the fuck ready. am I, I at? You. All right. <laughs> I told you, we're going deep. We're going deep. So if I take it back just a little bit, I was saying that I wanted to bring this conversation to the table because I wanted to be intentional about 
exploring all the ways in which men are intimate. That was number one. And number two was the video that you did of Jesse during this trial. And you did, if you, if you all listen and haven't seen it, go to Trey's Instagram page and go to his video section. He did a whole breakdown of, and this was, I think, before the the verdict. The yeah. verdict. You, he did a whole breakdown of the facts that were explained during the case. And one of them was about, like, the phone, the text messages, and you started going into... DL culture and mm-hmm. that some of the things that were happening in the case that you were hearing were things that you just associate with download culture and if you know and you understand black download cult- culture and you said that a few times you got to know and you got to understand mm-hmm. black gay culture you got to know and you got to understand black gay download download culture right. um and you and so you picked up on these themes. So I want I want to talk about that. Let's start with number one. Let's define DL because DL is different from discrete. Yes, is different from being in denial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different from. It's a lot of other things out there. Let's talk about what we feel represents DL, and I'll let you and I'll let you start. So, um, DL down low. Oh, what is it? It is rooted in fear. It is the fear to live your true authentic self out of the fear of rejection, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's the fear of being rejected. So it's men who perpetrate I'm not even, I can't even say they perpetrate um, because I believe that some DL men really do love to be with women. Um, and I think as human beings, we can train ourselves to become. So it's like if you're constantly masturbating, if you're a regular masturbator um, and you're not engaging in sex, and you've been masturbating for a month or two months. You had a break off from having sex with people when you've been masturbating for two months. And then you go to have sex with somebody. The chances of you reaching your climax and actual intercourse mm-hmm. is slim because your body has become accustomed to reaching this climax through masturbation. So you must then reduce your masturbation and increase your intercourse to retrain your body to reach its climax through actual intercourse. Y'all listening? So I believe that some DL men have conditioned themselves to move beyond their homosexuality and have positioned themselves to be bisexual, but refuse to live that open life with the fear because of the fear of rejection. So you feel like some men do hold on to bisexuality. Yes. As kind of like my last straw in the fight, my last foot in the fight, my last attempt for normalcy. Yeah, well, just think about it. Um, 
think about people who are out. Mm-hmm. Some people's family can accept them as long as they're the top. Mm-hmm. But, Masculine performance. Yeah. You're afraid to tell them that you're bottoming. Yeah. Or you're in a relationship with somebody. And I was in a relationship and I remember that the person would never bottom for me. They told me that the only way they were going to bottom for me was that we had to be married. The thing was, was I was the breadwinner. I am the alpha male. I was the alpha male in the relationship mm-hmm. and everything. But then we came to the bedroom. That was their time to shine as the macho person. And I didn't realize until after breaking up mm-hmm. and finding out that they had bottom for the next boyfriend. I'm like, what the fuck? And then my best friend, my sister was just like, just think about it. Had he bottomed for you, that would have been him letting go of all his masculinity. He had no other masculine straw to hold on to because you dominated everything else in the relationship. So he held on to that, to you not topping him, to keep control and to say, I still have. So are you saying that in that next relationship, clearly he had control over other things. Yes. So he was able to find, like, get that, get off, you know, get that fix for wanting or needing control in other ways. So that's why he was able to then bottom. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So when we look at things like that, I understand how men can be DL. But I think that we have to shift the focus of our conversation and shift it away from DL culture. And let's talk about the real factors that create DL men, which is toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. which is single black mothers. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is religion, the black church. Yes, yes. Homophobic parents. These are the things that social pressures, this. job. Depending on what type of job, job you have. have. So while a lot of people want to crucify DL men, I take empathy in them. I feel I, I, I I'm empathetic because I can understand because I'm an empath and I can feel that. But I I have sympathy for them. You know what's interesting? You know. Before we started recording, we were talking about "Don't Call Me White Girl," um, and um, you you have some ties with her, and have talked to her in the past. And I remember not too long ago seeing a video that she posted where she talked about DL men, and mm-hmm. she said, "You know, a lot of particularly black women look at DL men as like homewreckers and liars." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "I never looked at DL men that way because we don't even live." We don't, our community is not a safe space for men to explore their sexuality or even be honest about their sexuality. Yes. And so why wouldn't they lie? <laughs> why, why wouldn't they be DL yeah. if they're going to lose their job, get put out of the church, lose their relationship? Be disowned lose, by their family. Be disowned by their family. Be or meet physical violence. Yeah. If we're really, if we're going to go there. Like, yeah. physical violence will come upon you. Yes. In certain cultures, they'll take you out 
Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, in 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 considerate uh, act of God, and and so it's it's interesting that we are now really starting to have this conversation because, like I said in the beginning, if I take this all the way back, we're always hearing people talk about you know we got to talk about men's sexuality more. We got to we got to be more open mm-hmm. about men's sexuality and what they're doing. Okay, well, DL, like we we have to talk about this because it's happening. It it's definitely happening. And it is absolutely a part of how men are expressing themselves even if it's just you and your homeboys. Y'all mm-hmm. never going to fuck. But y'all just washed the car together with your shirts off, and now y'all going in the house to play the video game. That's a level of intimacy. That is a level of intimacy that men have been and are continuing to do. That black men. Black men. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we don't have the tools, and we don't, oftentimes we don't have the language. Yes, that's huge to express what we're feeling Mm -hmm. and what we need. And society has constructed all these barriers and walls and religion has not helped. Not at all. At all. At all. And, 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 And look at that. Even with that, look at the church. It's a mess. A hot mess. The, the church is a hot mess. You got all kind of, (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I stopped going to church because I was getting hit on more in church than I would get hit on in the gay club. By the deacons. The deacons. The priests. The preacher. The preacher. Pastors. Bishops. Elders. Deacon saints and friends. And everybody in their respective positions. Trey, what... <sighs> Do you, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, because I feel like the world, particularly like women, don't want to hear the fact that men are attracted to men. Oh my God. Listen, there's a book. There is a book um, that I encourage every black man to read and it's called Hung. Oh. Um. Damn, I cannot think of the, um, the author off the top of my head. But this book talks about being a black man. I feel like Doug Spearman, Doug Spearman was on the show early this season. And mm-hmm. I swear he brought this up. And I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to tell you what it is. Because when I tell you, this book was so enlightening. Like, to the point to when men get in the showers and they get in hung showers... I mean, they get into showers with each other, like open showers, like, like at the, the football gym and stuff games like that. And yeah. stuff. They size each other up by the size of their dick. Who got the biggest dick in the room is the most macho man. Like, you're not going to disrespect him because his dick is bigger than yours. And ain't nothing, and there's no gay shit. That's not gay. That's just what they men do. Yeah. That's what they do. But the book is called Hung. Um, a Meditation of the Measure of Black Men in America by Scott Polson Bryant. It is an eye-opening um, piece of literature um, that I encourage every black man, yes, every black person to read. Yeah. And it talks about how 
black men are fetishized by mm-hmm. other races, mm-hmm. um, hung like a horse. And at the end of the day, we went through centuries of actually being hung because we were hung. You know, it really, it takes a real deep dive into it. I wonder, is that why they castrated black men when they hung them? Hello, somebody. And Lord's only, we don't even want to know what type of evil dark shit they did with the penises yeah. after. Because y'all white men. Shit, y'all look what just... they did with the, the, the Sarah Bartman. Who? Sarah Bartman. What's that? Um, Sarah Bartman, the African who was very voluptuous. And they put her in freak shows and stuff like that. You know, when Beyonce said, um, Sarah Bartman hips. Oh. She said she's actual, she's the actual person who's an African and she was put into freak shows because she was so voluptuous. Her hip spin and her ass was so big and her breasts and her body shape. Like they held her and made her a circus freak. And they were people were they were raping her, everything. Um, it was just recently that her remains were released back to her country for her to have a proper burial. But for years they kept her her body parts. Oh my god. Um, and whatever fluids they put them in to preserve parts. For years overseas, like in England or some of her stuff, her um, body parts. It's a shame what people got to go through to get the yeah, remains it, 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 of their people horrible. back. It's horrible. Because that just went down here in Philly at Penn. What? The Penn Museum had the remains of someone from the move. Oh. And they had to fight tooth and nail to get those, to get that back from the museum. That's ridiculous. I don't even understand why would you want the remains? You got the story. Well, you know, they, they want to capitalize money. That's crazy to me. That's just, that just blows my fucking mind. I and just continue think... to put us on display like it's a freak show. <sighs> God. Oh, my God. It just burns me the fuck up. So <sighs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. We hear all the time that when straight men are super homophobic, super transphobic, people would be like, oh, they because they see really gay. Mm-hmm. Trey, is it safe to say that guys who are uncomfortable around gay men or around extremely feminine men, they themselves have issues that they haven't worked out? So, um, yes and no. The no part for me comes from me being in the military and being in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, I was forced to be around straight men all the time. 24-7. Yeah. So there were no... You ain't, Of um, course I had cut-ups. But with these men I had cut-ups with, they weren't straight. You know, and they were probably curious and things. So but, there were other gay men in the army. Mm-hmm. But it was a, you know... I served during... You didn't go... You, you weren't out. No, I served during um, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So how did you know... Like, I mean, just like any way you do, I, I you know. So I always, eventually, you just. I always tell people growing up, one of the um, advantages that I've had in life mm-hmm. is um, knowing myself and knowing who I am. And my number one turn on is masculinity. Mm-hmm. I'm turned on by masculinity. I'm tr- I'm attracted to masculinity. So, being in those settings. I, I often tell people, I'm like, oh, my friends be like, oh, we going to this party or they going to the gay club. And they come out like, oh, I got all these numbers. Listen, when I'm at a gay function, I am there 
to be 1000% social. I'm not there for no level of meeting someone to date, to sleep with, or nothing. Because when I walk in the room, I look at everybody, hey, girl. <laughs> I don't care what you do in the bedroom. But that's what I look at everybody as. Yeah. Hey, girl. I don't even want your number. If you want, if you want some number like to date me type of shit, uh-uh. You're my girlfriend. <laughs> but if you put me into a straight bar or a straight function, oh, bitch, I'm going to work that space. Really? Trying. I'm going to work that space and I'm leaving with some work. Really? Oh, yeah. It's because I was born and raised in the projects. I lived in the projects until I was 12 years old. When we moved out the projects, my mom bought a house in the hood. Yeah. So that was my culture. And where I grew up at, there was no gay neighborhood in their neighborhood and the gay district and gay bars and all this stuff. It so was the block. It was just that. And so I was forced to be around yes. hood niggas. My brothers was drug dealers and gangbangers. Yes. So nobody fucked with me. Yes. Because they knew they were going to deal with the repercussions of my brothers. So I was in straight spaces working. Working, these DL niggas. So, that's my work. I really, really, so when I say no, I'm sorry to get back to the question here. Um, when I say no, the no parts of me comes from being in the military, being with guys who were apprehensive about being around me and feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But when they got to know me, by the time they left, they would be leaving to move on to the next duty station they would go around and say bye to everybody. They would come to me and say, thank you. Because you changed my outlook on gay men. Just your presence. You probably You're cool just... as shit. I love you like a brother, bro. You're my bro. Yeah. Call me anytime. I love you. Thank you. Come on, Trey out here changing hearts and minds. And it's always been, it's always been that way. Always been that way. My cousin, my favorite cousin, her husband was so anti-gay and homophobic. She it still blows her mind how much he loves me because of my authenticity. So that's interesting you brought that up. So going back to that question, when someone is homophobic, transphobic, femophobic, what are your thoughts? Because a lot of a lot of folks are like, oh, well, it's because they're gay. And I think that, I that. I mean, sometimes it's dangerous when you label everyone just across the board. Like it's very dangerous because they even do that to Boozy uh-huh. when it comes to his online social media rants, and they like to call him gay. And that you know, my thing is like this: y'all gonna push niggas to be violent? Yes, it's yes. like they already violent. Like, you hear the shit that he's saying. Yes. You see the shit that he's typing and tweeting. He's already violent. And I feel like stuff like that just pushes them to be even more violent. And the gays think they're getting a one-up. Because they feel not. like by calling someone who's extremely homophobic gay, that's the worst thing you can do to them. And that's, that's the lowest dig that you can give to them. Until they retaliate. And then they want to say it's a hate crime. Unfortunately, a lot of times they end up being a fucking hate crime. But you pushed them to it. You provoked the situation. So when do we take so where do we take accountability? We in need to start in those situations. We I, I just don't think it's good to just call men gay. But we have to look at too. Because it's what gays gotta be honest with themselves. They're weaponizing that shit. Oh yeah. 
absolutely. When they come after straight men with that, oh, it's because you gay, because you really want to suck dick. But you, I, I cut you off. You were starting to say that sometimes that is the case. It, it is the case at times. Um, a lot of times it is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually I find it more so um, the case for people who just out of the blue want to come up and say homophobic slurs and bash gay people. When no one even brought up a dick. Yes. Here you come bringing a dick yeah, into why, the conversation. What's this faggot ass nigga doing in here? Who this faggot? Fucking fag. Come on, I don't play with that gay shit. They nobody say nothing about being gay. They nobody say nothing about no dick. They nobody say no shit like that. You Those just come people in to with me, violence. I yeah. believe the chances are they have demons of themselves that they're fighting. I'm not even gonna say it's a demon because it's not a demon. And that's the thing. Like I'm, a, I'm a over all over the place. But that's the same thing. Like in religion, we always say um, when church people say yeah. um, you gay, you going to hell. You say um, well, no sin is greater than the other sin. First of all, we need to change that lingo. That lingo. Yeah, because me being gay is not, not a sin. sin. I agree with you 100%. I do not like that when people say, well, all it's all sins. It's not a sin. First of all, I'm not a sin. Mm-hmm. I'm not an abomination. Hello. All the shit that they like to label us. Mm-hmm. So don't don't try to liken me to rapist. Right. And, and all these other motherfuckers that's out here doing all this fuck shit. Yep. Because I'm not a mistake. Period. Period. And I just think, I think one of the big things too is when they do that and then you have the people who are like gay bashing and doing all that stuff, but then you have those who are just uncomfortable around gay people mm-hmm. because they haven't been exposed to it. And it's a Not lot just of that, like, especially in the South. Yeah. You take even black people who've never really been around white people right. and you throw them in a the mix of affluent white people. They are uncomfortable. Right. It's not because they dislike them. It's the fear of the unknown. Right. I don't have no idea anything about this. But everything I've been told has been negative or I don't want people to think that I'm gay. But then we have to look at cultures. Black, white. White people don't seem to have those issues. Even though they do have those issues, they don't have them on the level that the black community have them on. Mm-hmm. And it's the same reason why black people are killing each other. Um, it's the toxic masculine culture that we raise black boys in. Yeah. And I think that um, Beyonce couldn't have said it no better when she talked in her Vogue interview. And she said, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, like, as women... We want our men to be sympathetic, empathetic, to be loving, Mm -hmm. caring, intimate. And she used so many different characteristics and attributes to describe how you want your man to be. Mm -hmm. And then she ended the statement saying, yet we fail to raise our sons as this. Damn. Right, because we busy telling him, be a man. Stop crying. Yes. Be a man. So that is the toxic masculine culture that we are continuing to raise black boys in. And when we raise them in this culture, how are we ever going to create an environment for them to feel safe and being their true authentic self? I think they don't feel safe. And I think that's why they pick up a gun. And I think that's why a lot of times their first response to 
trauma, their first response to feeling disrespected, their first response to feeling scared is to pull the trigger. And that goes back to, again, remember we said everything is rooted in racism. Um, I think it's the result of the lack of emotional intelligence. And we're dealing with a generation who is coming up from the crack era and the crack babies who were a ward of the state and who have fostered out of the system, have grown out of the foster system. Um, They've been shuffled from home to home to home. They don't know what love is. They don't know what empathy looks like. They don't know what sympathy looks like. They lack emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So we dealing with a generation, that generation, that is now raising this next generation the same way they lack the emotional intelligence. There's no way I can just walk up and shoot a motherfucker in the face and walk away and not feel no type of way about it. I just wasn't raised like that. I'm not emotionally fixed like that. But this generation is emotionless. And that's how they're able to do these things. Because they don't have the emotion. And when I say it's rooted in racism, it's because when crack ravished the black community, it was a criminal justice issue. Mothers and fathers were thrown into prison, into jail. Children were put as ward estates. Families were torn apart. Um, welfare. If you needed assistance um, from government assistance, you couldn't have a man in your house. So the man had to be out the home. That's so when we big, look at all the, when we look yes, at this, um, yes. and then crack and the drugs, what it did to our community, and it tore black families apart. And now this is what you got. People were mad at um, Hillary Clinton when she said when she called them super predators. But at the reality, they are super predators. Who was she talking about when she was saying the crime in black okay. communities? These are super predators. These are not criminals. These are super predators. They are super predators. They have gone through so much that they lack this and they lack that. They're so poverty stricken that they are so low and desperate and despair that even in rioting and looting, that they are so far gone that they're willing to walk through a broken glass just to get a pair of sneakers or get something that's named brand because of how the system mm-hmm. has dealt with them. Yeah. But now we fast forward to today where drugs have landed on the doorsteps of constituents who don't look like you and I, who don't have brown skin. They have clear skin. Drugs in the form of opiums and all of that shit Mm -hmm. has made it into white communities. It's no longer a criminal justice issue. It is now a healthcare issue. We want to divert all of this funding into healthcare to get facilities so we can get these white people off the streets and get them into treatment centers. We want to now open up these safe houses um, where they can go shoot up their drugs under super under nursing supervision and all of this stuff. It's a healthcare issue, right? So when it was us, it was a criminal in the eighties and the nineties. It was and you tore black pants apart. They created dare. Mm-hmm. Nancy Reagan did the whole dare thing and it was a war on drugs and y'all were throwing our Say asses no to in drugs. jail. Yes. And so now we doing all of this 
pieces of legislation for healthcare, 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 healthcare. Again, when I go back to saying we must be a part of the political process and the legislative process, if we ever want to see change, we need people who look like you and I that have experienced this to be able to say, why are we going to vote and say, yes, this is a healthcare issue. But what we need to include into this bill is a piece of restorative justice for the black and brown community that was destroyed. So what are we doing about these black people over here that are still trying to build themselves up and get themselves together because of it being labeled as a criminal justice issue when it was cracked in their communities? The next thing I was going to ask you was if, you know, we could like talk about our own experiences with, with DL, because, you know, for me, DL has been a few different things. It's not always the guy that's lying, married Mm -hmm. to a woman who's out here sleeping with men. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is a lot of times. I think that's what a lot of people associate deal with when they hear it. That's what they associate it with, but I don't think that is the case a lot of times, and I don't think that is the case in most situations. A lot of times, the true DL men mm-hmm. don't foster relationship, romantic relationships with women. They move along in life and never get into a relationship, but they um, present as heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And they have a boyfriend or a regular piece that they're dealing with, or they go into cruising scenes, into gay dating apps, and different things like that. One of the things I wanted to touch on was like cruising. Mm-hmm. That's such a big thing in the gay community, right? Um, but why? Where did it evolve? Where did it come from? Where did it start? Where's the origin of it? It's because gay sex was so taboo and everybody was trying to hide from doing it. We look at um, the 80s during um, the HIV and AIDS epidemic Mm -hmm. and a lot of why it was labeled as a gay disease was because cruising was so big because homosexuality was so frowned upon. So people would go to a park and have sex in a bush with a person they have no fucking clue. But they didn't use protection. And that's the promiscuity yeah. was what it's a domino effect. To, yeah. yeah. And so you think about it today. Um, it's just like as a parent, you have to be very careful of who you have around your children and what you expose your children to. So it's the same yeah. thing of coming into... <laughs> Because um, these coaches are out of control. Yes, and it's the same thing as coming into gay life. You really have to be careful of who you associate yourself with, especially when you're young. Yeah. And you can't have a conversation with your parents. These older men be uh, predators. Yes, complete predators, and they expose you to things that your generation has no reason to be exposed to. Like, yeah. you can be in high school and have you a full boyfriend that's going to carry your books to your locker and walk you to your locker and be at your classroom and walk you to your classroom, all this stuff, and be open and go to your prom with him and everything. So why are you into these hookup apps? It's really interesting that you brought that up because I wonder how many teenage 
gay men, queer men were robbed <laughs> of that high school <laughs> dating experience because they had an older man in their life. Yes. Who was calling the shots and running everything. And they didn't get in. And, and honestly, like that came up for me last week when I was on Twitter and it was just this conversation going on and on and on and on about how we're in our 30s and our 40s as gay and queer black men and we don't know how the fuck to be in a relationship. Oh my God. I talk about that all the time. Were we robbed of something? Like what happened, Trey? We were robbed. We were robbed, but we were robbed because of um, society and we must um, be thankful to the Marsha P. Johnsons of the world. Hey. Um, and for them throwing that fucking brick at fucking mm-hmm. um, Stonewall mm-hmm. to start the fight for equality. Um, we are coming off of the end of the fight for equality. And so our generation, we still lived that equality portion. So it's a part of our DNA. It's a part of the core of who we are. Mm-hmm. But what we have to be is mindful of the generation coming up under us and be intentional about not sending that into the next generation. Yes. Not sending our trauma, passing our trauma onto them. So um, people say a lot of younger people love to be around me. And I take it as um, a blessing for me to be a person of my age and to think that young people still find joy in being around me and want to be around me. But I think the biggest part is, is they see something in me that they admire, they aspire to be in their own selves. And they're looking for that example. I've had so many mothers who have gay sons that have come to me and said, oh my God, I just love you. Um, My son is gay. Um, could you have a conversation with him? I would love for you to be his mentor. You know, and while I'm flattered by that, it is not your responsibility. It is not my responsibility to make me a mentor of somebody else. It is that person who needs to be mentor responsibility to figure out who's the best person to mentor them. Yep. You know, yeah. so when we look at gay um, families and gay mothers and gay fathers, it is very, 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 very vital to the success of the black LGBTQIAPK community. Absolutely. Because a lot of these children were thrown out and discarded oh God, yes. and ignored. Yes. And then they fall and into the hands of predators. And mothers, right. They fall into the hands of predators and then hurt people, hurt people, so they just keeps Right. Domino effect, passing up, passing it down, passing it down, passing it down. At what point do we break it and say, I want to help you be the best you. Be the best version of yourself. I don't want nothing from you. But for you to be your best you, anything I can do to aid in facilitating you to get into your best self, Mm -hmm. let me do that. I am a gay mother. It's funny because um, my gay children, my original gay children, 
it's crazy because as you grow older and you move to different places um, and you meet other young kids and they say, I want you to be my gay mother. Can you be my gay parent? I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I've never, I don't go to you and say you're going to be my gay child. Because remember what I say, it's up to that person to figure out who right. they need to be their mentor. Right. And I think it's so important. What's the important way we, we miss the essence of it is all of my gay children, I have a relationship with their real parents. So when their real parents can't find them or haven't talked to them or need somebody to talk to them, they call me. Have you heard from such and such? Tell him he need to call me. And there, here I go. Hello? Why you ain't call your mother? You need to call your mother now. Mm. They call their mother. You know, what's going on with you and your mother? Guess what? Cleaning your behind. Dushing, fleeting, whatever. You can't go talk to your straight parent about that. They don't know right. nothing about that. Right. You know, all the taboo shit that come along with being gay. What we thrusted, what we... What, if straight people knew what they were sending their children off into when they call themselves disowning their child, they will be so fearful of what goes on in our community because we've never had the opportunity to just live normal lifestyles. So the sex parties and all of this stuff, that stuff is a result of being DL and not knowing when you're going to get the opportunity. Our generation, we didn't think about when we went to the mall on the weekends in high school that we were going to meet a boy. We were just going to hang out with our friends. But today, Yeah, to check out Old Navy, to sell at Old Navy. But the girls and the straight boys, they went to meet boys and girls. But as the gay kid, we never thought about we going there to meet other gay boys. Or to meet somebody that's gonna be my boyfriend. We didn't have that experience. Right. We didn't have that thought process. Yeah. But today, generation, these teenagers that go to the mall, they absolutely can go to the mall on the weekends and say, oh, I'm going to, to meet a boy and meet a boy that's gonna take them to the movies. And they wanna go shopping and have fun and stuff like that and meet them in a normal way. We didn't have that. So, still don't. To get our fixes, we resort to sex parties. BGC, where we was printing off MapQuest, following MapQuest into God knows what neighborhoods, into what apartments that God knows we ain't have no business in that fucking place. But we go in there and we do what we needed to do to get our rocks off and, and leave. And all I could do is look back and say, Lord, I thank you for sparing me. Yes. <laughs> like I could have been gone so many times in so many different situations that I've been oh. in. Because I didn't have the opportunity to just live a regular, normal life mm-hmm. of going to the grocery store and potentially running into somebody in the grocery store that could become the love of my life. That had never been a thought process of mine because I came through the equality fight. And it was okay. It's okay for me. I'm okay to know that I went through all of it to pave the way so that this generation that's coming up under me don't have to. You don't have to subject yourself to bathhouses and sex parties. Personally, I think I wish that all of that shit would go the fuck away. 
because it's not necessary for us to have it. But as long as we continue to have those things, mm-hmm. we continue to perpetuate the DL lifestyle. Because all of those things support the DL lifestyle. Look at Jesse. Where did he meet that boy? In the fucking bathhouse. Doing drugs in the bathhouse. Masturbating with that brother in the bathhouse. What brought you to a point that you felt that you had to go that low to be in the bathhouse? To get that bitch? We've come through it. We have to be intentional about the generation that's coming up behind us. We talk about black families and being cycle breakers in our families and being generational curse breakers in our families. And we want it, we the buck stops here. But at what point do we as a black gay community? break these cycles when do we begin to educate our heterosexual brothers and sisters and force them to deal with us to break down those barriers if we're not intentional about our actions we won't progress well I want to say that men like you have been showing up in the hood in the, on the block since oh. day one. Oh yeah like <laughs> i'm here what you gonna do about it yeah because i'm not going nowhere and i think that that is the story of so many gay and queer men where they have showed up in so many places where maybe they ought not to have been or it may have been a little dangerous for them Um, Or maybe, you know, everybody didn't accept them in that space. Mm -hmm. But you still continue to show up every single day in that space. Yes. To say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here and I'm queer. I was real bold, though. I was 14 and Drew Hill had the blonde hair. Yes. I had blonde hair. And I'd be walking down the block and it'd be some niggas looking at me and I'd seem like snickering or whatever. I was the gay that was like, what the fuck is you looking at? (laughs) You never seen a fucking gay black boy with blonde hair? What the fuck, you faggot? Bitch, no, fuck you. (laughs) You know, and that's just, that's just who I've always been. Yes. (laughs) No, fuck you. Yeah, that's just who I've always been. Like, I'm going to show up as me. Take me or leave me. I have a conversation with my cousins. We were talking and they were like, we were talking about families and I was saying how when black people come out, even white people, when people come out, make the choice to come out of the closet, it is an ultimatum that they have given themselves. And that ultimatum is, do I choose me? I was about to say. Or do I choose my family? Because when we come out, we don't know if we're never going to have our families going to disown us or not. And sometimes they don't. Yes. And so we made the choice to say, I'm going to choose me. me. Exactly. And my cousins, we say, we talk about, we're talking about it, about people coming out and how their families accepted them or whatever. And uh, my cousins always say, well, we didn't have a choice with you. 
And they didn't have a choice because the reality was I didn't give you that opportunity. Bitch, if I felt like you was looking at me crazy, I'll cut you the fuck off. You, it's an opportunity for you to know me, not me to know you, bitch. <laughs> Trey, but do you realize that you are a hero? Stop it. I'm not. I told you I'm just a regular smegalin boy. No. You're not because do you know by you living in your truth how many lives you save in? I really feel like by so many of us making that bold decision every day to step out here and be our authentic true selves and walk in our truth, we are saving so many lives, even though we're putting our own lives in danger. I agree. And unfortunately, some people have left this earth already. They're not with us any longer because they also walked in their truth and and were unapologetic about who they were. Yes. And so for those of us who continue to strive in our truth every single day, you a hero. But you got to pray and ask God for the spirit, the true spirit of discernment. Because I'm not going to lie, I've been in some situations where I say, um, bitch, you better shut your motherfucking ass the fuck up. Yeah. And guess what I did? You shut your ass the fuck up. I shut my fat ass the fuck up. You know what? (laughs) Come on, Preston. I ain't no motherfucking idiot. I'm not no dummy. But, but there's something to, to be said about yeah, that. Yeah, when you when because you clearly to, when you go when you need to go into survival mode, and you're and you're one and you're worried about your your safety. A lot of us do things that we may not do in a typical situation. Yes. Hell, some of us may do things that go against our own morals. Oh yeah, when it comes to when you're trying to survive. Oh yeah, and I'm sure there were many times. Many nights where you felt like, I'm just trying to survive. When I was a kid, there were many times where I felt like, I'm just trying to survive. And so to be here, you know, I really, and I think it's just awesome to conclude and to wrap up the DL conversation with this. So many of us are walking in our truth. Yes. Every single day. Yes. And let me just say this. (laughs) I, um... I came in with the intentions of, I was so much more I wanted to say about the DL. And so much I wanted to lay on the line about DL. But when I got to talking, when we just got to talking, um, I realized that it's not even important to discuss the culture of DL, but it's more important to discuss the root. And the root is, how are they created? And if we focus on the DL culture and break and breaking the code to DL culture, what benefit is it if we haven't destroyed the origin? Right. The creation of it. So I believe that our root, that my focus just moved into the origin more so of than the culture. Absolutely. Because that's where a lot of people focus. They want to focus on the culture and bash it and, and and attach all these negative connotations to it. But I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is that people like people. Humans are attracted to light and energy, not genitals and sexuality. And sexuality is fluid. It's very fluid. And you you nailed it before, this toxic idea of what masculinity mm. looks mm. like and how it is to be performed 
particularly by black men. Yes. Because how masculinity is supposed to be performed by black men is very different. It's, it's different expectations compared to white men Completely. in this country. Completely. 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 To the to the extent where a lot of black men don't even want to do certain things with women because they think it's gay. They even though you with your woman. They don't want to go get a fucking pedicure and manicure. We I talked about this with Booty. Y'all want to rush your ass. Y'all got y'all got the stains in y'all drawers because y'all don't want to wash our butt. Because that's gay. Child. Oh, that's but I'm, just nasty. <laughs> I, I feel that sorry again, for the nasty. women that deal with these men. Because I can do ever, it. You ever been with somebody, like you had like a one night stand or hookup or something, and they dropped their drawers and the whole motherfucking room light up? It has happened. Did you did you stay or did you go? I went. I left, and I have to say that that has own. That was like when I was young. It hasn't happened. You left recently. Long. You left. You, you didn't stay. I left. I left. Okay. As a matter of fact, well, the one time I remember when I was living on campus, and it was a guy like he. I was living on campus as an undergrad, mm-hmm. and he took his shoes off. Ooh. And it was just like... If the feet stink, you know that hole is a mess. I can't with you. Ooh. Well, yeah, if Ooh. if your feet stink, like, we're never going to get to that part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those were the college days. But yeah, we didn't even get, like, we didn't even start because that was such a turnoff. Um, because even then, I didn't like smells and... Listen, but well, some of the girls are into like, it. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say I don't like smells. Funk. I don't like funk. Exactly. Now, um, your natural odor as a man, you know, I'm here yeah. for that. Yeah. You know, like, I don't really, I'm not really into um, naked, like, no, I'm not into naked private areas. I don't, I don't I'm not really into, like, bald dicks. <laughs> like, it's just not. Oh, you mean, like, when guys shave, shave like, everything. Just go bald. Like, okay, trim it up. And keep it nice and tame. No, I want a little bush. But, yeah, give me a little bush. Something. Yeah. Yeah, it holds your scent. Because it, we forget that we are animals and we do still mate through um, pheromones. Yeah. And you could be turned down by someone's scent. Absolutely. Yeah. It, I mean, but it turns me on when I see a little hair. And I appreciate hair as someone who did. I don't have hair. So, like, my friends always, like, laugh at me because I don't really, I don't have hair <laughs> on my the body. Funny thing is- so I, I appreciate hair on a man's body for real. The funny thing is, my mom, like, um, my mom was a weirdo. I miss the lady, but um, we were talking about underarm hair, and I showed her like the hair growing under my arm, and it had a little bit of fuzz, and she was like, "Um, oh, you ain't gonna get none because I don't got none. My mom don't grow a lot of underarm hair." Um. And then I said, but I got hair down there. She said, no, you don't. Let me see it. And I showed her I had a whole bush. She said, oh, you know. But it's just like some people are, <laughs> some people have it some people in places and some people don't. Right, but, right. Um, I don't know why that made me think of that, that situation, but <laughs> it, it was crazy like that. Uh, but I'm just one to, I'm not into like crazy hair. And it's crazy because I'm into hair texture. Like I don't like naughty hair, niggas. Like, like naughty body hair? Like naughty. Like, like look gotcha. like beads. Like, <laughs> Like, okay, you can shave that off. Yes. You can shave that off. Yes. But if you got, like, some nice wavy pattern and curly hair, 
that's cute to me. It is. It is. It's cute. And it, 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 <laughs> it, to me, it's a part of the masculinity that I'm, that I'm attracted to. <laughs> and I, I'm glad you brought that up when we started this conversation because so many of us are attracted to masculinity. Mm-hmm. But there's don't like know a it. fine line. But we don't know that. Mm. That's the thing. We don't know that. And crazy story, but I talked about my podcast. How I figured it out was, you know, when you masturbating and you're watching porn and you're just scrolling through, you know, you scroll through mm-hmm. a thousand fucking videos till you get to the right one and you just edge, edge, and then boom. So I got to a video, I seen two people, boom, boom, two dudes. I get to watching it, bam, bam. Well, one of the dudes was a fucking trans man. Mm. Looked like a straight nigga. And then oh, they had a had their coochie. And the other dude looked like a regular thug hood nigga. Baby bashed that hole, bashed that motherfucker down. And when I tell you that thing had turned me on so much, child, it, was, tell you it was just, I splashed all over the motherfucking place. Bitch. <laughs> what the girls call it squirted, bitch. I was squirting all over the place. And I was like, oh my God, I realized it's Let not the gender explain. though. Yes, you, you're right. It's the masculinity. Because and I have I found seen myself dealing with a trans man. I have seen these videos with these trans men, and I'm like, whoa. Baby. What the fuck? Baby. It's different. It's different. That's so, a different, like, experience. It's different. Have you been with one? No. Okay, so. But. I have. I think I would. You, you have? Yes. What was that like? So, um, first I met him at a party. Did not know nothing. We exchanged numbers. We're talking all the time, whatever. And so. He tells me, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mind you, I've already the seed have been planted from porn, so I'm like, okay, woo, yeah, you got excited, so, I'm excited, you got excited. <laughs> we hang out and all this shit. We start like, like I want to see that and shit. Yeah, well, I want to call it that. And so we was like dating or whatever, but then it was weird because like he always wanted to just like, yo, yo, let me eat your booty, let me suck your dick. Like, okay, cool, great, da da da. Yeah, we love these things. But one night we were out. And we was kissing. And just naturally, my hand went down to grab the dick. Because, you know, you want to feel what you, the excitement I give you, it wasn't nothing there. Okay. And I said, ooh, this can't be life. So, wait, are you saying that that was the 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 flag for you like oh this isn't gonna work for me this is not something because that I can be when in I committed relationship go down there I wanna I wanna grab some some genitals yeah and we yeah. had a conversation they were like um because feeling the feeling the, the pussy it wasn't was nothing enough. there no it was nothing there I wanted to feel something I wanted to feel a dick and we had a conversation they were like um because they be looking fun when they be listen they be they, just for the, the sexual experience it's that part is it's like well, wait do they call it a pussy yeah they call it a pussy okay so, but the sad part is, it's not like the sad part, but the reality is I know some people are going to get mad, but this is just me being truth and speaking my truth. Um, we had a conversation. They were like, yo, I really want to be with you. I see myself being with you, but you're so attractive. This and third, I know you're going to cheat. You know, this and third. I'm like, I'm not a cheater. This, I'm not, that's not me. And then after we hung up, I was walking to Family Dollars and I was thinking to myself, I was like, but. Hey, Family Dollar. I do like the. You, family Dollar can be a good time. Yeah. Especially when just, they restock. Okay. You got to catch them right when they restock. So they <laughs> ran through the shit. But I was just like, um, but I, I do like sucking dick. And you know, and Me I do too. like. And that's my issue with bottoms. And I like the point of making this. Bottoms I like to get their dicks up. But there's also, I like 
to I like the climax. I like knowing I've been fulfilled by fulfilling you. Mm-hmm. You can't fuck me with no strap on. You're not having that. No, hell no. You're not fucking with no strap on. And I need to feel you pulsating. I need to feel all this. I need to see a shoe, all of this stuff. I need to know that I brought you to this moment. I don't need a cream situation from a cooch. And that's when I realized, you know what? I tried it, tested and true. And it wasn't for you. Is that's not going to be for me because I'm being true to myself. And me being true to Ooh. myself is knowing that I need a little dick in my life. Ooh. Listen, are y'all being honest with yourself that are listening? Do you need some dick in your life? Or you need more dick in your life and you're not being honest with yourself? Oh, Call us at 1-800. Okay. That part right there. That part right there. But that's just been the reality of it. And that's just been um, a part of, like Adele say, Adele saying her new album, um, song, I Drink Wine. You know, how do we become a version? Um, how do we both become a person that we don't even like? How are we living our lives? Oh, that's the song people? you were playing before we started. How are we living our lives for people we don't even know? Who made the rules to relationships? What makes mm. you think that because this is what society says a relationship is supposed to be, that that's what it's supposed to be? You need to go forth in life and carve out your own path and make your relationship what you need it to be and not what society says it needs to be that's why i'm not against people who are poly you know people who are in open relationships it may they, hey if that's what floats your boat that's what floats yeah. your boat it don't float mine it's i don't think but, it's gonna float mine mm-mm. i haven't fully um committed to the idea of even considering it if i'm being honest but I think I'm a monogamous type of guy, and I'm honestly looking forward to getting into another, my next committed relationship. Because I want me and this nigga to be so into each other. What? We looking at each other from across the room. We can't leave the fuck. And we're not thinking about nobody else but each other. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yes. The fuck? Like I want to be so into my next dude that it's like just captivate my entire being just captivate me i want to be captive yeah i want to be held captive you, you can you. talk without even speaking yes and i want just you from looking at each other there was a line in pop fiction pulp fiction the movie oh, yeah. where they say something about um they knew it was the right one that they knew they were for the one when they were able to sit in the room and not say one word to each other and be completely fulfilled. Just by the presence, the energy. Yes. When we can occupy the same space at the same time, that that is fulfilling for me. Yes. And I find pleasure in that. Mm. Just being in the same space as you. That's it, my Lord. Uh, Is there one? Child, this is a whole nother motherfucking show we about to go into. We really do because <laughs> this right here is yes. going to, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to do one show or two, but Trey, we got to do this again. We have to. Because we got more we shit to talk to. about. So much shit to talk about. The fuck? So like, much we got shit. shit to talk about. So much shit. <laughs> so much shit. 
I knew this. I knew Boy, this. I knew this was going to happen. I knew this. <laughs> I knew this. I'm not surprised that we've been talking for two hours and 11 minutes. Are you serious? And we still got shit to talk about. Oh, my God. Yes. I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. Really? <laughs> because some of the questions I had down for this conversation, we didn't even get to. Oh, my But this God. was such a good conversation. Yes. But we got we to gotta do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Anytime. you're too close Anytime. to where we can't do this. And I just want you to know that you, the Hunger Pod welcomes you anytime. Oh, thank you so much. So we got to get this back on the calendar and do this again. You know especially you after come, the new year. You got to come over to Upfront. Oh my gosh, yeah. I would love to. I would be I would be honored to. I know you're a little camera shy, but I promise you, you won't I even told know, Trey. You won't even that. know the camera's there. <laughs> you won't even know. Trey is warming me up because I do want to give you all that's listening more video content. Because when I do post video content, y'all be here for it. So I know I need to do a little bit more. You know what's important about video? I think um one thing that made me want to um be um on video was I'm very animated even when I talk. You can hear it in my inflections and everything. My calm major. Yep. My aspiration is to always have been a talk show host. So I'm animated. So when you hear just the audio, it's like, oh my God, I can imagine what his face looks like. <laughs> I, I want to see. Like some people will not listen to the podcast because they want to see. That's very true. They want to see, oh my God, I love him so much. Look at what he's doing. That, that shit. That's very true. Because some people will never pick up a podcast. Some people will never listen to a podcast. Never. But they'll go to YouTube or they'll watch a video because that visual stimulation does something for them. And even I find totally myself... Totally agree. I find myself like watching um, podcasts on that are on um, podcast streaming. I, I watch them on... YouTube and I clean, I be cooking or whatever, and they'll say something. Then I'll be like, oh, I'll stop and I'll go over in there. I'll, let me rewind that back because I got to see what they look like, you know, when they're saying it. Like, imagine when Faith was on right. Drink Champs and she talked about um, how she ate Biggie butt. She ate Biggie ass. She did. So imagine just hearing that. You got a bitch, let me see this bitch face. See. Is you serious, girl? <laughs> Are you fucking serious, bitch? Let me look at you. And listen, I believe it because there's a lot of women out here eating ass. Eating ass. Eating ass. Because men like to get their ass ate. Because yes, that's a, that, that is a, a pleasure spot back there. It is a pleasure spot. And I always said this. I said God is... God has to be a comedian. For putting the things where he put... Or where they put them. How dare you say that uh, men aren't supposed to be gay, but the only access to the male G-spot is through the ass. But then you got people out here thinking that, um, oh, you want to play on my ass, bitch. You gay. No, motherfucker. It's a whole lot of heterosexual men out there who love ass play, who love with their women. And a lot of women, and there are women who Who, take dick up their ass. I know women who rather have dick in their ass than their pussy. They say they come harder. What? Yes, they come harder when it's up, when they get fucked in the ass and they're doing their own pussy. And I be thinking, like, bitch, do you know the shit you got to go through to get. Pounded in the ass, like girl, and you got a coochie, bitch. Like, why would you even consider? I would never. That prep work. <laughs> yeah, Lord. unless you're one of those girls that's, you know, I know my body. Girl, don't do that because I want to do bitches. <laughs> Wait, you said you wanted those bitches. 
I'm old school, bitch. You know, old school world. Not, I'm a, I know my body. I'm bitch. old school, bitch. When I say bitch, you make yourself big. You make yourself burp. Bitch, if you don't taste nothing, you good to go. But if you taste something, I ain't ready. I hate you. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, it is like, I know when I can bottle. Like, I can feel it yeah. in my body you and in my that? spirit and in my gut. I know when I'm ready and I know when I'm not ready. Because when it's heavy and you feel Mm-mm. everything, like, the child, then, I don't understand why people will go eat cabbage and collard greens and shit and then macaroni and cheese. And it's like, girl, I'm having a date tonight. And you think nah. you're just going to go throw a fleet at the end. Bitch. Oh, that fleet ain't going to do nothing. That fleet ain't going to do nothing. The fleet going to start the process. It's start the process. <laughs> Listen, and the crazy thing is, you know that, um, I, um, what is it, milk of magnesia or something? Yeah, shit? yeah, yeah. Now, if you really want to be clean and be ready and not go through the fleet process, you get that and drink that because it runs through your body and um, within 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, okay. But that's, the liquid, the liquid that's flushing your whole intestine versus the fleet just cleaning the cavity. Right. So that means ain't nothing in there to come out when you take that or a little warm, um, warm water and salt and kosher salt is a natural um, laxative. And it'll run through you within 30 minutes and, and you drink flush it? your system. You drink it. You drink one water and salt and you'll go. <laughs> Gonna flush you out. Oh shit! Come on, woman. yeah. Okay, that's the importance of having a gay mother. It really is. See, I need a gay mother. See how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see how it all comes yes. together, hunger family. I let me tell you something. I really enjoyed this. This was. I have to. everything I thought it was going to be and more. Yes, and I can't wait for us to link up again. Please, Trey Real. Remind the people where they can find you on social media before we close out. Yes, definitely. Um, shout out to the Hung Up fam. You yes. can definitely find your boy Trey Real on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Trey Real. That's T R E R E A L. And on TikTok, that's at Trey Real 3. That's T R E R E A L and the number three. I know that's right. This has been a delight. It really has. This has been an absolute delight. And I'm just glad. Um, I feel like I've been manifesting this for years. (laughs) Come on. And like I share with you, I followed you, your podcast, from day one when you had um, Patrick as your co-host. Yeah. I've like always just known like being in some spaces of you. And I'm an energy person and I have a strong spirit of discernment and I have a very strong intuition. I just always knew like this was gonna this happen. This would be great. This would be great. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am full. So full. <laughs> so full. So full. Yeah, so full. Oh my gosh. Well, we are out, y'all. But just for now, because I'm bringing Trey, Trey yes, back. Like, Trey coming. is coming back. And I'm coming. <laughs> I'm hung up. Peace out, y'all. Trey, real. Thank you for stopping by. I'm hung up. And I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Remember, send your listener feedback to hunguppod at gmail.com or call or text. 
to have your feedback included in the next episode. Thank you all again for listening. We already got a lot of feedback on this episode, so we are going to record a follow-up and answer all your questions. So stay tuned for a follow-up. Until then, be safe, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace.